This is New Home Insights, the John Burns Real Estate Consulting Podcast. I'll be your host, Dean Worley. As the title promises, we're going to bring you insights into everything housing, the latest trends, innovations, observations, and issues of the day. We'll bring in colleagues here at John Burns and also some major industry players from all across the country. This podcast is going to be quick, fun, but also hopefully make you think. So see you here every couple of weeks. Now let's get to it. Welcome to New Home Insights Podcast by John Burns Real Estate Consulting. I'm your host, Dean Worley. Today, we have as our guest a psychic. Okay, not actually a literal psychic, but someone who does peer into the future of design and technology and consumer trends and you know how they're affecting the buying experience. So today, we're going to focus on how they affect our homes and our home buying experience. And to do that, we have Susan Yashinsky. She's the Vice President and Innovation Predictor at Sphere Trending. Susan, please say hi to the folks and introduce yourself a lot better than I can and what you do and what your company does. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, happy to be here today. And thanks for the opportunity. Uh, we love being a small company because we can make up our own titles. So we make up titles for all of us. Uh, we're in our 20th year of business. We're a strategic think tank and trend forecasting firm. And we really specialize in intelligence that's driving why and how spaces are evolving, whether they're residential, commercial, transportation, um, any environment, because more and more um, all environments are influencing each other, both in macro shifts, how the space is shifting according to demographic, psychographic needs, um, as well as, as design trends and certainly the influence of technology becomes universal across all environments. So we work with a lot of different companies, manufacturers, service providers, retailers um, across the board. But again, our specialty is environments. And uh, we're really happy to be here today and talk, really focus in on the home environment today. I've seen you speak, by the way. And the first time I saw you speak, I had no idea, I'm not going to lie, I had no idea who you were or what you did. But I found myself just sitting up and being fascinated because you're so wide ranging and, and you brought it home to specifics very, very well. So, so let's start with maybe use affordability as an example. So, for instance, are younger households more likely to be long term renters? They're putting things off and maybe they'll when they have kids, get married, maybe instead of buying a house, they'll move into single-family rental or build-for-rent environment. Is that something you're tracking? Yes. So I think what's really the newest nuance in the housing industry is a lot more variety coming in. Um, we know all the builders are frantically trying to get into rent-to-own because there is a huge affordability crisis, housing crisis in America. And um, not only is there delayed life stages, but there's also people just can't afford to get into a home. And, you know, builders have had to use up land that was very expensive. So they've had to build more at the high end than the affordable end. We see co-living coming in. We see new kind of concepts around the world um, that are gearing for new types of affordability concepts. We see row houses and, you know, density coming back. I think uh, your your company did a great study recently on seeing more high density that there, I think the there's a big discrepancy between how many people want high density. A lot of people want it because we're a nation of singles and, and they want community. And so they don't mind houses touching each other and being closer together. Um, and, and there's a big discrepancy between how much of that has actually been built. Yeah. You also have looked, I've heard you talk about things like uh, uh, social enablers and chameleon hunters, how you sort of track trend trackers, you sort of track folks 
by by how they are interacting with housing environments. Can you talk a little bit about that? So beyond demographics, which are obviously important, um, you know, a, an older consumer has different needs than, than a Gen Z getting into the housing market. But more and more, we're talking about culture graphics, which is not a term that we made up. I wish we did, but um, a term yeah, that's been that's being used a lot this year, which really talks about people's passion. So if you love coffee, then, you know, you want the greatest coffee station in your kitchen. If you mm. are into technology, you want the smart home. If you're into well-being, you want a house with wellness. So more and more, these kind of passions cross over demographics. So we have well-being explorers, probably the biggest group because everybody wants well-being uh, from age six to 96, which means we're letting more light in. We have more exits and entries. We are bringing more natural materials in. We're busting out into the outdoor space. So we truly have indoor outdoor living and we're looking at new materials. We want this home to be healthy, whether it's an air purifying curtain or um, you know, non-toxic paints, um, and we want to be protected. So wellness is a really big word. We always say it's not just mental and physical health, but it also encompasses safety and security as well. We have technology seekers that want the newest of the new. They're the ones that are, you know, have the Alexa in every room. The ones that are intrigued by the fact that walls could be kinetic uh, in, in architecture in the future, and either by a press of a button or a push of a hand, you can open up a room or close off a room depending how you need it. Um, chameleon hunters is another one who are really interested in fashion and design and always want the latest and want to change their environments. I think this is another nuance. We used to do remodeling uh, because things would go, you know, the roof was gone or we needed to replace the door or the windows. We now love remodeling because we love newness. And it's kind of, we're kind of in our brains trying to not waste because particularly younger generations are very interested in, in not wasting but we also desire the new. You know, if we can have the newest songs at our fingertips, we want the new and everything. So fast fashion is kind of coming into the home and we're starting to see ways that things are being mass produced, but with an element of customization. So you can kind of change up even a durable. You have Samsung now, you know, creating refrigerators where the front door of the refrigerator can be any color you want. And when you get sick of the color, you just order another front door. You don't have to order another refrigerator. That's not, you know, you mentioned technology and how I, I, I'm embarrassed to admit this, but we have two Alexas, like you just mentioned, but they don't seem to know each other very well. They have different agendas because we ask one and the second one overhears and like we've asked for a song or something and one says, has it and starts playing it. The other one says, sorry, we don't have that song. Yeah. So something's uh, I'm a little worried about that. So, you know, I mean, we're not quite at the connected home yet where everything is talking to everybody, the lock to the, to the Alexa, to the um, washing yeah. machine, to everything else. But that is the future where, where it's moving yeah. because technology is really meant to be seamless. It's meant to enhance your life, not make your life more difficult. So in the future, you'll be driving in your car and your car will sense that you're kind of had a stressful day and your car will alert your home. So your car will immediately adjust lighting and adjust the music, and they will give an alert to your home so that when you walk in that front door of the home, you'll have the same kind of softer lighting and the same kind of gentler music to kind of enable you to relax. So not there yet, um, but these are yeah. the platforms that everybody's starting to work on. Well, not, not to be uh, all Terminator and feel scary and anti-technology. But, you know, we've talked about technology in this podcast before and how smart tech, for instance, is changing how we interact with our house. And it's exciting and new. And, and But technology can also be kind of daunting in a lot of ways. So how do we conquer the isolation, I guess, of technology and get more community and connectivity 
real connectivity in our lives? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think developers are actually really on top of this and really starting to develop communities, particularly in the suburbs that are more like urban um, feels with walkability, with new kind of amenities. Um, you know, um, Saren B is a great example outside of Atlanta of a community that was created with restaurants and shopping right in there. You know, we, we say we're kind of going back to a prairie lifestyle. And not that we want to necessarily, you know, raise the cows in the backyard, but we will more and more grow on our, our own food. One, because we love it as a leisure activity, and two, because we're a little nervous about uh, food safety as we go forward. But we also just want that connectivity with people. We want a simpler lifestyle. Technology can be very isolating, like you said, and so we need those those analog moments to offset it. So we're seeing um, play come right into living areas, particularly from millennial parents. They don't want their kids, you know, playing in a room that they don't see them. Um, so we have play coming into living areas. Open space living is one way that we're not just all in separate rooms doing our own thing, but we can connect. We see game tables coming back. Game tables have sold more in the last couple of years than we've seen for decades. So people understand that you have to offset technology with analog activities. And technology, actually, we think it connects us, but to your point, it makes us more isolated. Yeah. So, so you know, folks in master plans, for instance, are going to be looking for dog parks, you know, gourmet kitchens in the clubhouse, things that, that pull people together. Is that fair to say? Yeah. And, and remember we are a nation of singles. I think the stat, and I apologize if I'm quoting it wrong, but I think it's something like 69% of all household growth over the next 20 years will be singles and households without children in them. One, you have baby boomers living a lot longer. So they don't have kids in the house anymore. You have um, 30% of Gen X that never will marry compared to only 14% at that same life stage. You have millennials waiting to their late 30s or even early 40s to get married and start forming families. And, and a lot of them will remain single. And so, and we're single for a longer period of time. So we have to remember that we do need connectivity. And I think um, the developers really have understood this. We saw it so big in multifamily and we continue to see multifamily continue to add new amenities like um, wine cellars and, and um, theaters into the common areas. But now we're seeing the developers, even in suburbia, really reinvent suburban living to have a community feel. Yeah. Although I think that the sort of the, let's call it the town lifestyle where everyone kind of lived above their shop and, you know, you went to the corner market every day. That's, that's just never coming back is, I mean, not with, with big box. Is that, is there any chance of, of, of that coming back in any way? I actually do think it's coming yeah. back in a little bit of way because one, you know, a lot of big box will go online. Yeah. So what's going to go in those big boxes and we start to see kind of local local places go in. You know, we look at, we're coming up on the holiday season, um, you know, by local day every year, almost doubles in retail sales. People understand that supporting a local business means I'm making my community healthy. So we do see developments where there's a little grocery store going in and not, you know, um, streets and streets of shops, but, but, a little bit, a little bit to bring kind of that feel of walkability back in and that feel of uniqueness. People like local shopping because it's yeah. unique. Yeah, I would, I would love to see more residential over those kinds of local retail, especially where it's a kind of a just a small town uh, downtown kind of environment. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, as you know, more and more of these developments are mixed use, that it's not just home. There's, um, you know, maybe it's a WeWork space or an office building. And very often now, because of aging boomers, we're seeing healthcare be part of these new communities. And so when you have mixed use, retail is kind of almost a natural to come into that space as well. But often it's, you know, it's a, a Costco with a, a P.F. Chang's and stuff. Now, when we have people living above the Costco, then we've changed. <laughs> then we'll we want to blow our brains out. <laughs> we'll, see, we'll see if that happens. Let's take it to um, to the home. How will homes change over the, let's say, near to midterm future? And what's going to change that? Things like the size of homes and, and that sort of thing. Well, homes will get smaller. Nobody really wants a big house. So there's so many articles on what everybody's going to do with these McMansions from the 1970s. Nobody really wants them. They, they're void of character. Um, they're not. They're not. Um, they're not the space we need anymore. We're having smaller families, or no families at all. Um, so a smaller home is what we want, but it has to live bigger, and that's why we've kind of busted into the outside. We're seeing courtyards come back, which I love. Not only does it give us kind of a sense of privacy, but it totally connects the entire home to the outdoors. We have front porches, the number one amenity consumers want. We have now. Um, street side uh, balconies off the master bedroom on the second floor. We're using the side yard. Um, so a lot of that is is enabling small to live bigger. And I think we will see kinetic architecture. We'll see building materials that allow us to create space as we need it. We have a party. We want to open up space. We don't have a party and we want a little bit more seclusion. We can close up space. We're seeing rooms that multitask particularly in open space environments, you know, um, the kitchen isn't really the kitchen anymore. The mm. kitchen is truly part of the living space. Yeah. yeah. How about in terms of some, is some of this driving, the millennials kind of want to live very near where they work and they seem to, they'll trade size for that. Do you see that uh, continuing to, to drive homes and, and, yep. and solutions? I think part of that is true. And also you have to remember that, that more and more we're working yeah. in a variety of ways. I mean, I think it's 40% of people work at least one day at yeah. home, um, you know, and we're, we continue to, to grow what we call the gig or the freelance economy, um, which is a big percent of the economy and growing bigger. And so work doesn't necessarily in the future is not going to define our living environment as, as closely as it has in the past, which I think, again, to your point, a little, it kind of opens up the barriers a little bit. Um, we know we need workspace in a home for sure, but that workspace could be in a multitude of places. We see dedicated home offices. We also see, you know, a workstation in the kitchen or in the new, you know, enlarged multifunctional room that used to be the laundry room. Um, we might see a desk in an in a upstairs hallway. Uh, we're using hallways um, as functional entities, whether for storage or for function. And, you know, as a, as a home lives smaller, every inch has to work a little bit harder. Um, and that's just getting design creativity into, into the landscape. But we hear stories like, for instance, at, around the Googleplex in the Silicon Valley, there's actually folks that rent a van so they can sneak in a, a few hours of sleep at night before they get right back onto the grind first thing in the morning. I, hope, I mean, yeah, that's, that's interesting. Yeah, hopefully but, not a trend. Yeah, but that's interesting. But, you know, and trends start small. Like when yeah. tiny homes first came out, everybody just really thought it was a joke. 
Yeah. It really isn't a joke. And an affordable home crisis, whether it's going to be in somebody's backyard, I think California just changed the laws recently where you can have backyard um, living spaces now. And and we know those laws are going to change state by state very quickly for affordability. So some of the things that we, you know, we always say, use the example of the Casper mattress. Every mattress company thought it was just a joke. You know, five people in New York would want a mattress that was in a box because they had trouble taking it up the steps. Well, it turns out everybody wants a mattress. And now everybody's making it. And that's within three years. That's how fast that accelerated. Yeah. How how about co-living? You mentioned that a minute ago. I'm I'm super on the fence with the viability of co-living, at least in a mass way. What what do you think of co-living? Co-living for Gen Z. And, and perhaps the very youngest part of millennials is going to be a huge, huge yeah. new nuance. I mean, we already see it taking um, over bigger in Japan and in um, some of the European countries. Um, it's community. It's just like going from a dorm into your next stage, a little bit more upscale dorm. I mean, it's a small living space, but people are just sleeping in that space. They yeah. really want that communal thing. And again, it might not be for six years, but it might be the one to three year thing you do before you rent for three to six years, before you buy for six to now we're saying 15 years for that first home. Yeah, it does seem, it does seem traditional to me. So I guess it kind of just depends on the size of that very young cohort, doesn't it? Yeah. And I also think, remember, these people are used to co-working environments. Yeah. So Again, that's kind of changed the perception. And ownership is changing with young people. I mean, one of some of the biggest trends in retail are, are renting. Yeah. Um, we see almost every retailer now or manufacturer having an element where they can rent. Sonos just came out with, you know, headphones that you can rent. Why buy within because in two years there's going to be new technology and you want the latest technology. And so um, rental not owning, um, you know, Airbnb. I mean, all these kind of things have changed perception for younger generations about what's most important and how to get it. Modular, offsite, prefab kind of constructions. It feels like we are turning a corner on these solutions for housing, maybe going from niche to norm, but do you think we are finally there? Oh, I think we have to. I don't even think it's if we want to, it's because we have to. We have a huge labor problem in the building industry. Um, I think 50, 60 percent of all these skilled laborers are going to retire within the next 10 to 15 years. Now, a lot of companies um, are, are trying desperately to to get young people into the trades because they're great living, you know, they're great middle class wage jobs. But we're not there yet. And prefab allows that element of personalization. Um, that we don't really have in the built environment. You know, I want the wall over here. And before you put the home together, I want it to have X, Y, and Z in terms of technology embedded into it. Um, We see, you know, Katera coming into the U.S. market, building the largest CLT factory, um, having two huge factories on the West Coast. We see um, Clayton Homes buying up, you know, built retailers. Prefab is the future, whether it's, you know, partially built in a factory or all built in a factory, but there's no question it's going to address the affordability issues. And I think even more importantly, in some ways, it's going to uh, um, address the person personalization issues that consumers really want. And it seems like uh, when we look at offsite built construction, you know, you worry that, okay, is there a stigma 
about that. And with older generations, maybe there is, but with the younger households, they don't care. There's no stigma at all. They don't care. They don't care at all. They think it's cool. That's the, the it's the opposite. Okay. And you're right. Older generations are used to thinking of that as a very low income type yeah. of um, option. But remember, you have to remember the design is getting beautiful. If you look at a beautifully designed prefab next to a beautifully designed built, you can't tell the difference. Um, so design is coming into it in a big way. We're seeing so much innovation in building materials that is bringing you know cost savings into making design more beautiful. And then they think it's cool. They think it's cool that when that home is built, all the waste is in one garbage can. Yeah, and it's going to I mean, uh, be more varied, isn't it? We're, you know, I mean, right now the the floor plans tend to be fairly modular, I guess, and fairly you know nice straight lines. But they, they, I'm sure technology will make that change quickly here. Oh, much change. I was at a meeting at, at General Motors, and one of the top executives had just bought a prefab home as a vacation home for northern Michigan and loved it because he could go to the factory. He could personalize his, um, uh, you know, exactly how he wanted it. He could check on the status. And the other thing is it was built really fast. He didn't have to wait six months for a home. Uh, how about let's move inside the home. I mean, there's some pretty amazing stuff that's happening there, right? I mean, some you, you mentioned how the homes, uh, I'm sorry, about how cars are interacting with us and know our moods, kind of like, you know, Space Odyssey, how. But uh, is that kind of happening inside the home too with chairs and toilets and whatever? Well, yeah, I think, I think smart technology is coming into every element. Um, you know, faucets are smarter than they used to be. Um, more types of functions, lighting. If you were watching some of the technology coming from the lighting shows, it's not just to have light now, it's light that also can be circadian lighting and, and adjust to your mood. Um, it's things that multitask. So it's not just a fan, it's a fan with music. Um, there's so much going on in terms of the emotional aspect of the home and using products and building materials to not just have a physical function to it, but also an emotional component. And that's being enabled by a lot of new technology that's coming in from a sensory aspect. We always say we're very sensory deprived as human beings in this age of technology. We aren't outside at all. You know, 70% of white collar workers sit at their desk for 70%, if not 90% of the day. Um, kids don't go out and play anymore. They're hooked to a computer. So we've lost peripheral vision. We need sensory enhancement. So we see color come into our homes in new ways, particularly on the exterior, not just the interior. We're seeing a lot of new um, mixing of materials for design excitement, both on exterior and interior. The sense of touch is very important. The sense of sound, there's a new, um, a new, area of architecture called Aural, A-U-R-A-L. I'm sure I'm not pronouncing it right. I apologize. Aural architecture. So we always like to use this example. There's a home um, in Michigan that's called the Symphonic House. And you don't ring a doorbell when you announce your arrival. You actually play a harp on the exterior. And the whole home is is geared to enhance beautiful sound. Um, even the sound of wind, but to make it beautiful inside the home. So sensory. Wait, is... Is that you, the homeowner's choice of the music, or are you the visitor's um, I think the visitor, when you play the harp, it's really? so you can play it any way you want. Actually, in that home, which is a private home, when you walk up the steps, they actually have violin strings hanging from the ceiling. So you can either wow. hold on to a railing, or you can play strings as you walk up. But the home was also 
also um, built so that as windows open, the sound of the wind would also be not a sound you could control, but would be a beautiful enhancement to the ambience of the interior. I now want to make all my friends hear either Kanye or Rick Astley uh, <laughs> when I go to their house just and rickroll them. That's my demonic thought. You mentioned, I've heard you talk about chairs though, how, how chairs will be responding to biometric data. Is that something like how the car is? It, it sort of gauges your mood and, and what happens when it does? Um, well, you know, chairs in offices, we do a lot of work in commercial. So office chairs obviously adjust to your body, can even start to feel your mood in some of the newest ones. Um, so we are seeing intelligence, predictive intelligence. That's when we say, you know, technology really becomes seamless. You don't have to do anything. The product is actually sensing what you you need. So we are seeing some of that come in, I would say very much at the early stages within the home environment, outside of perhaps lighting, um, which I think is probably at the forefront of some of the new technologies that are predictive. And, and probably programming. You know, you can now program your shower by individuals in the households. If you like... Um, um, you know, if you like a certain, the shower a certain way, you can program when you come in, it'll, you put in your identification and, and it will, you don't have to tell it each time, but your, your wife or your kids might want it a different way. And so programming and certain of the, um, things that we're used to, um, are also becoming predictive. Now, at the risk of sounding paranoid again, my, my when I hear this, I think of something like how how Facebook and Google. I mean, what they've become good at, what made they make their money from, is selling us, right? Mm -hmm. So, is there a danger here where a smart toilet is going to know something about your health, or a smart chair is going to know something about your moods at different times of, well, of yeah, you know, know. The, the new smart mirror where you look in and it will read yeah. your health and immediately connect. We always like to say that, um, and I know you have two Alexas, but we like to say that. <laughs> Silicon Valley would never put an Alexa in their house. I know. I've heard that. To you constantly. And, you know, people in Silicon Valley take the eighth grade pledge. They don't give their kids a phone till eighth grade. They send yeah. them to Waldorf school because they understand that creativity comes not from technology, but from basic analog, you know, uh, activities as you're growing up. So I think the privacy issue is a huge one. Um, consumers are very concerned about it, particularly younger consumers that are a little more educated about it. Um, so it's going to be a balance of how to balance that issue of privacy um, and safety, obviously, with, um, you know, the, the, the ring doorbell now is getting yeah. a lot of a lot of um, play because is it right that if I see a stranger at my door and I don't know who this is, I report it to the police when maybe it's just somebody dropping off a prime package and all of a sudden I've created an issue that that really was never an issue. Yeah. So there is a lot of issues about the future of technology and privacy and safety and security that have to be addressed big time. I want to ask you a couple more questions. One is uh, something inside the home as well, which is, and just is kind of of interest to me particularly, is entertainment spaces, because I'm still waiting for like 3D hologram in place of a television, or, and I'm getting kind of antsy about it, I'll admit. It, it, I mean, is that anywhere near? Is there? Are we talking about changes like that in the, in the semi-near future? Um, I think so. That you know, at CES and we have CES coming up again. We always see futuristic yeah. formats that really could be placed in the home. Now the question is, are we ready, and do we really need it or want it? So I think there's um, a TV that looks like a TV that can be a window when you don't have the TV on. Mm -hmm. There's another TV that looks like a piece of art. 
Um, will walls, you know, when you go, will AR and will virtual reality come into our home? For sure. There, there was a study that was done recently that asked a bunch of futurists, what will the home of the future be? And, and somebody said, well, you would never redecorate uh-huh. and spend money because through virtual reality and through new kind of technology, you could just change the color of your comforter uh-huh. through the lighting. Uh-huh. So you, you wouldn't have to pay for a new comforter. So I'm not sure we really want that yeah. since consumer spending is 70% <laughs> of our but um, things like that will come in now. Will people want to, you know, we always say you can put a sensor in everything, but you shouldn't because a lot of the stuff that comes to market really isn't, isn't improving our well, lives. Just because we can do it doesn't mean we should do it. Maybe that we? spending just goes from buying a new comforter to buying an app that changes the color of your wall at, at a command. Right, right. And, you know, thermochromatic paints and things like that are being experimented with so that there's, again, it goes back to that sensory aspect that your environment always has kind of a new nuance to it. Is Futurama the guide for you to to look at? Do you watch Futurama and just say, okay, yeah, that's going to happen? Or Star Trek? I'm Mm -hmm. ready for it. I'm ready for a tricorder. <laughs> well, you know, if you look at the, the Jetsons, Jetsons yeah. I the, I'm still waiting for the Jetsons where you just tell them what you want to eat and it comes out of that machine immediately and you don't have to cook it. Um, but a lot of that, you know, there's now developments being built with with um, drones on private balconies for consumers so that for deliveries. So things that did seem really impossible will come to fruition. So let's end with my uh, surprise question. Which, because I'm a horrible person, so I'm going to ask you to pick one upcoming trend or factor that you're watching right now that I, I just sort of especially interests interests you. So it can be anything, a group, a consumer trend, a technology, anything that you think might surprise us, or just something that you're just really interested to see how it plays out. Anything to shoot to your mind? Um, I would say my biggest trend right now that I'm intrigued by is the pioneer spirit that that bringing with all this technology everybody's talking about coming back to fundamentals about what really makes us happy as human beings and not giving up on on the things that make our life simpler but embracing the things that make us happier and that isn't always technology in fact more often i think it's how we reduce space in the home so the bathroom can also become a fitness center and so we feel better physically and mentally um, it's shifting. It's shifting functions in new ways. Um, you know, being able to grow on our food in a very simple way inside the kitchen, so the kitchen truly becomes a wellness kitchen. So I'm more intrigued by the non-tech, um, but but obviously the tech is not going away by any stretch of the imagination. And then the key is to find that balance between the two, or, or see how the tech can enhance that and improve and that. How the tech can enhance it exactly. Awesome. Well, Susan, thank you. This has been a pleasure and as insightful as I expected it to be. Uh, Well, thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity very much. Absolutely. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. And and please, I, I don't think we've ever said this, have we, Richard? But please, if you can, take a minute to subscribe to the podcast. And if you like it and follow it on iTunes, please rate and review. If you don't like it, never mind. Until then, see you next time. Bye, Susan. Okay, bye-bye. Take care. <laughs>